Welcome to the Critical Witness podcast, where we talk faith, apologetics, evangelism, and anything else we can think of. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to Critical Witness, the first stream of 2021. Feels like it's been a little while since we've been live, but um, it's good to be back. We've got a great guest with us today. Dan's here with his cup of tea, so we're all sorted and ready to go. If this is your first time with us at Critical Witness, please do feel free to chat in any of the live chats. We're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. And uh, we'll try and respond. We'll try and answer questions. We're going to have to keep it fairly short this time. It's not going to be one of our three-hour ones. Just uh, Dan's a busy guy. We'll blame him. And uh, we're going to get straight into it, really. We've got uh, Rebecca Davis with us. I'm going to zoom out so you can see her. Um, Rebecca, it'd be great just for you to introduce yourself. You've had a lot of experience uh, interacting with Muslims. You've written a book that you asked us to uh, get involved with bridges of love and understanding. It'd be great just to have a little bit of um, who you are, why you wrote a book, and um, anything else that you feel is necessary. And we're going to dig in a little bit more about your story um, as we go. So over to you. Sure. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm really uh, excited to be here. Well, um, I wrote my book because I've spent um, uh, many years, over nine years, regularly talking with Muslims about their faith. I'm a Christian minister and mainly an evangelist. I love sharing the gospel. I've always loved sharing the gospel and I've grown as an evangelist. And so what I'm sharing in the book is how we can help people come to know Jesus, especially Muslims. And one of my goals in the book is to help Christians love Muslims, to help Christians understand Muslims and to appreciate them. And so that, that's what my book's about. So what got you connected? So your, your accent, you're clearly American. Uh, how, how, what got you started from uh, being American? Did you have, were you in one of your, locations where there's quite a few Muslims? Like, how, how did you get into this, really, I guess? Well, I would say my first experiences with Muslims was when I was in the army and I um, was learning Persian as part of that was my job in the army. I was a Persian linguist. So that was my first contact with, you know, Muslim teachers. And in my book, I tell a story about one of my Muslim teachers. So that was my first real contact with Muslims. And then in 2006, my family moved to Amman, Jordan. And so we, and I was out of the army by that point, but that was like where I became immersed in Muslim culture. Amazing. Dan, do you have anything to start us off with? 
Well, no, that's what I was going to ask. I was just really interested in how it started because it seems, um, uh, I, I guess, if you're not um, just just sort of the, the interest of speaking to Muslims, um, I was just I was just interested in how that started. So yeah, it says you had an interesting story about how. So how did you? Let's move back a little bit further. How did the, yeah. how, the how did the Persian start? Like, have you? How did you sort of? How did that begin? Because that seems like that's kind of kind of integral to the to the to where you ended up yeah well um it actually the i joined the army i was in the army for four years as a parachute rigger but i was interested in learning languages so i spent the next four years in the army as a linguist and i didn't really choose what language i was going to study the army chose for me i i i know i wouldn't have chosen persian um, but really that was I actually, and so I had that experience learning Persian and having some exposure to Muslims, but it was my husband's job that took us to live in Jordan. So that was really at that time, I just had a, I, our, our first son had, you know, was just a toddler and, um, really that was my exposure was just being put into Muslim culture. And at that time, of course, I wanted Muslims to know Jesus. In fact, it had been one of the things that was on my heart since I was a child. And I talk about that in the book, really, that where this started for me was when I first found out that there were people in this religion of Islam, and they were praying to God five times a day. And so I, I remember asking adults, adult Christians that I knew, like, well, what about these people? Like, do you know, we believe that Jesus is the Savior. He's the only way to be saved. But won't God hear the prayers of people who are praying to him five times a day? And so the questions were in my mind at an early age and i was really wrestling with that those kind of questions so and in the book i'm really trying to resolve those questions as they've come to be resolved for me and so i'm sharing my experiences of you know meeting people in the Muslim faith who have soul satisfying faith, who have sincere love for God. And how do I wrestle through the idea that, well, Jesus is the only way to salvation. How can I understand like their faith and what the result of their faith will be? So, so how did you, how, I mean, they're, they're great questions. I mean, how, so how did you sort of go about resolving them? I and mean, how did you, you know, what, what's the kind of, where are you net, where you're at now, I guess, in terms of those questions, if someone asked you those questions now, how would you, how would you respond? Yeah, well, I, this is I, the way I would respond is that everyone needs Jesus Christ. He is the savior of the world. He's the only savior of the world. And I believe that anyone who is seeking God and who is seeking the truth will eventually find Jesus Christ. And so 
and, and it's not really for me to judge the process, but what I have also discovered, you know, because when I was asking those questions as a child, the answers that I was getting from people were like, no, Muslims worship a false God. They, they're not worshiping the true God. So it was basically dismissing the faith and devotion of 2 billion people. And so especially once I became immersed in Muslim culture, I could no longer just dismiss uh, people's faith, especially when I saw how important their faith was to them. And so I, I looked for really what is, are they worshiping a false God? And I think that that is definitely the wrong way to think. And that is one of the things that compelled me to write this book is because to this day, that is still the most common answer that Christians give. When, when I go back to the States, people, and I hear them talking about Muslims, so often it is just, you know, oh, they worship a false God. They don't know God. And I think really we need to stop thinking in terms of information being the only way to know God. Okay. So now when I encounter a Muslim or anyone else, I don't assume that they don't know God just because they don't have information about Jesus Christ. So, and I'll say even that I believe some of my Muslim friends know God very deeply. They don't have the, they may not know the plan of salvation. They may not have accepted Jesus Christ as their savior, but they're, information, having right information is not the only way to know God. You know God in other ways also, and their devotion to God is one way of knowing God. And so, um, you know, sometimes we think we, we make the equation that if someone doesn't know Jesus Christ, well, Jesus Christ is God, so if somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ as God, then they don't know God. But I think we need to reverse the, the way of thinking and think of it this way. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if someone is in contact with God, they do know Jesus Christ. They are in contact with Jesus Christ it just might be that they don't realize that that's who they're contacting. And I think that, you know, goes along with what Jesus said. He said, you know, all the sins and blasphemies that people speak will be forgiven them, even when people speak against me. But the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. And I think that's because, you know, people can be mistaken about their information about Jesus. They can have the, they can blaspheme and by, by what they say about Jesus without blaspheming the Holy Spirit, 
right? And if we look at the context of what people, I'm just going on and on here, guys. No, so. no, please, please. No, <laughs> all right, this is really interesting. We'll come back with okay. questions in a minute. So, like, if you th- look at the context of that, what when Jesus is talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, what was happening there? It was when the Pharisees saw Jesus doing miracles. They saw him. They they were meeting God in the flesh. They met God in the flesh. They saw him, his works. And what did they say? He has a demon. Now, this is something different. This is the a true rejection of the Lord because the Holy Spirit is speaking truth to people. And people are either saying yes to that truth or they are rejecting that truth. And so the Pharisees were receiving truth from the Holy Spirit and they were rejecting it. And I don't, most Muslims I know are not doing that. So of course there's a whole spectrum. We can't say all Muslims are the same. I have Muslim friends who are not Muslim at all. They're more like hedonists. Um, And then I have Muslims who are extremely devoted. And then of course you have people who are on so devoted, they're, you know, terrorizing people. So, you know, there's a whole spectrum when we're talking about Muslims, but in my experience, most Muslims that, that I encounter and that I talk to, they have a sincere devotion to God. And it it's, it's not, it's so genuine. I don't think it's something that people can fake. Um, when I ask, um, when I have these conversations with taxi drivers and I, I wrote so many of those conversations in my book, you know, this, there, I, I have these conversations all the time. And when I ask questions about God, I get such enthusiastic answers from them that, um, you know, it blows me away. And I don't know if even some of my Christian friends would be that enthusiastic about sharing about the greatness of God and the love of God. And so I think what's happening is that the Holy Spirit is speaking He is speaking to everyone in the world and people are either saying yes and receiving that truth or, or rejecting it. And so um, those who are receiving it, they are, they're in contact with God. They're in communication with God. Now they still need to be saved by Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it's okay to be any religion or that, you know, every religion is equal. No, absolutely not. There are, but there are religions that have more truth than other religions. And I guess what I would love for Christians to understand is that Islam is not our enemy because it has a lot of truth. There's there's so much truth in Islam. And so we can work with the truth that people have received. And, and it's, it's a perfect platform for sharing the gospel because people know that there's one God that's absolutely true and they know it. 
and they're devoted to that God. And they know that God has a standard. And if they're honest, most of them know they are not quite meeting God's standard. And so they are, that is the perfect place to be able to share the gospel. I think there's, there's a, a lot in that, Rebecca. There's, there's lots to yeah. think about. So that, it's all good. It's all good stuff. So just trying to work out which question to ask you next. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so because so, I mean, there's, there's stuff that I've been wrestling with for, for a little while now, just in terms of how we talk about salvation. Um, yeah. And I like how you put it that salvation is this, this journey in some senses. And the more I look into evangelism and discipleship, the more there's these overlaps of yeah. I mean. You could be doing evangelism to fellow Christians and you could be doing discipleship to non-Christians. And and so it's recognizing people where they're headed towards rather yeah. than a line that they need to cross. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's kind of something that I've been wrestling with. And I, I like how you, how you share that, that. Yeah, again, we're guilty often of labeling whole groups of people as the same mm-hmm. as the same place on this journey. And um, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a few things sort of, uh, rattling off in, in my my head there, but I'd just be interested to trying to get to the the most practical aspect of this because there's, there's a bit of theology in there that I think some might be wrestling with. Before we go into that, it'd be just really interesting, just an example of, of a favourite story of because you kind of touched on it a little bit. What are the kind of questions that start off these conversations with? So you're in a you, you shared one of like a taxi driver. What was your favorite story? I'd love to hear that, and then we can kind of dig into some of these theological things uh, in in a minute. Oh, God. well, you know what? It's hard to say because I, there are I, I'm my memory is not that good. Okay, those those conversations that are in my book. I wrote those down right after I got out of the taxi or I voice recorded it, you know, right after I got out so I could remember everything. So I don't know if I have a favorite story exactly there because there's so many good ones. And in fact, now that I wrote the book, now every time I get in a taxi and I have a good conversation, I think, oh, that should have been in the book. (laughs) But so I, I can just share recently what happened in one taxi is we got to the point where and I usually start out, okay, in a practical way. Yes. You're asking for practical. How do we talk to people when I'm talking to Muslims? I know that they're going to be excited about talking about God. So I'm not shy. I just usually start with, do you love God? And that might sound like a strange question, but they actually love to answer that question. They usually they're like, yes, I love God. I love God so much, you know, and then I say, what do you love about God? And then, oh, God gives me life. He gives us everything. How who would not love God? Everybody loves God. And so that's those are the kind of questions. And then, you know, it depends on what they say that will guide my next question, you know, but I I'm always have in mind, you know, that I I'm hoping that I'll get to the gospel, but mostly I'm just listening to what they're saying and being guided on what, you know, what questions to ask based on what they say. So, you know, um, it, I think it's best to not have an agenda But just think of this, you know, as a way of learning about people. 
And so make your agenda to learn about the person and to just really hear what's in their mind. And so, uh, you know, it really depends what what they say that will guide my next question. And and so recently the the conversation that I was just thinking of, and I can't remember the whole conversation, but I remember where it ended up. I remember the guy was just talking to me so much about Islam and, you know, and, and then he started questioning me about Christianity. And, um, you know, I started explaining the gospel. I explained about Jesus dying for sins and, and he was really grilling me. Well, what about a person who keeps doing bad and they just, you know, they just, they don't stop sinning. Are you saying that person deserves to, to be in the same place, to be in paradise with the person who tried really hard? And so I said, well, I know that that might be hard to accept, but you know, if you're honest with yourself, you know that you also haven't been you know, I know I can see that you are a righteous person and you care about following God. So usually righteous people are aware that they haven't been as righteous as they want to be. And he he said, yes, that's true. And he kept grilling me about this idea, though, of it not being fair. And then as I was getting out of the taxi, he said, I learned something from you today. I learned that Christianity means everybody wins. And I said, yes, exactly. Everybody wins. That's, that's a, that's a perfect way to put it. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know if that produced a change in him, but I felt, you know, that it was impactful and it took some, you know, discussion to get to that point. But, um, uh, yeah, as I said, uh, so for those of you who might have just joined us, I'm just going to wave the book at the camera again just to get it okay, somewhere. Cool. So this, this is the book we're talking about, Bridges of Love and Understanding, and um, I highly recommend it. So you, you ended up so writing and self-publishing, didn't you? And yes. the story for us, really, for those who are interested. So Rebecca got in touch with us and said, would you mind reading the book? And if you've got anything good to say about it, feel free to. And I did. I did have stuff that's good to say, and hence why we're here. You've been very generous to us as a channel, and so we wanted to have this conversation, particularly as uh, the programmer has noted in the chat. In the chat, there, you your take on Islam is pretty much the polar opposite of our last conversation on Islam with uh, Jay Smith, who you've interacted with a little bit on the the comments on our last video. And I think it's really important just to sort of talk through. And Jay did share at the end of his channel that half the information or most of the information is like yeah. this isn't for every Christian to utilize unless you know what you're talking about, but just yeah. share the gospel. And then we ended the chat at <laughs> the show and it's like, well, what do we do with that? How, how do we actually share this yeah. and kind of where this conversation's going? Um, so there are a couple of conversations in the chat. We'll get to them in a moment. But Dan, do you have, do you have anything? Uh, you've written a few things down. I wonder what your questions are. No, I mean, I, I, I guess I can, I can see how someone, uh, I imagine you've probably got the questions before, um, that, that, that I can imagine people raising with, with some of the things that you said in regards to sort of, um, you know, the, the correlation between sincerity and truth. So obviously mm -hmm. someone can be, you know, incredibly uh, sincere about something, well-meaning, 
um uh but but the thing they're well-meaning um and sincere about isn't isn't necessarily true now i can think of um you know i've met hindus who are on the face of it far more devout than i am um Mm -hmm. you know incredibly devout um and yet i i wouldn't i wouldn't um it it wouldn't necessarily follow that that their devoutness um and their sincerity uh would entail that there's that there's something that actually they through the millions of, of of hindu deities that they're really grasping for um for god um yeah i don't know that would be something else. i mean I, I i think there's there's some there's some truth in that i mean obviously i think that um that that ultimately we are you know that that even when we put our trust in things that are not necessarily true there's something that we we that, that's deeply ingrained in human beings because we're made in the image of god that that want to pursue god we want to know god but we don't always yeah. um we don't always do it in the um you know in in, in the right way we get lost somewhere yeah uh, which is why we need god to reveal himself to us we really god yes. of revelation you know the god who reveals himself um i don't know yeah i mean there's there's lots more it's really interesting to i imagine that's not the first time someone's raised that so Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think this is, you know, so let me just address, I I don't have a large sample set when we're talking about Hindus. So like, I probably have, you know, maybe met like 20 Hindu people in my life. I don't know. I, I, I don't talk or at least I've probably met more Hindus than that. But I mean, talking about their faith. But actually, just a few weeks ago, I was out on the beach we were looking through the telescope at Saturn and Jupiter and some people came up and they wanted to look through our telescope and we were like, sure. And then we got into a conversation about religion and they mentioned that they were Hindu. But what was strange is that they, when I started questioning them more about their faith, they both acknowledged that there was actually one God And I said, okay, isn't that really, you know, not your traditional faith? And I don't remember really what their answer was to that. But I said, okay, well, tell me about this God. You know, what is this one God like? And they said, he is forgiving. He's generous. He loves us. And, you know, they just started describing the characteristics of the Christian God. And so you know, this is not traditional Hinduism. And so I feel like that is just one example. And I, I, like I said, I don't have a large sample set with Hinduism, but this is, you know, people who, despite what their religion teaches, they have encountered truth and they have held on to that. And so, and, and that is the same thing that is often happen like that is happening with Muslims because when I ask Muslims, you know, how do you know God loves us? You know, and and they describe God's love. They describe God's love in a way that the Quran does not describe God's love. And so, where are they getting that? And they are, I believe, they are getting that directly from God. God is revealing Himself to them in spite of what the religion teaches. And I think there's people all over the world like that, 
where God is revealing himself to them in spite of the errors in their religion. And so, you know, I'm not here saying that all religions are good. Um, I'm saying what's good is when people seek God, when they seek truth and, and God is faithful to reveal himself to them and that there's more going on with most people than, than we can see. There's more, you know, we look at people and we say, well, they're not a Christian. So God hasn't revealed himself. You know, they're, they, you know, they haven't met these markers. So God is not in contact with them, but really there's so much more going on in the spiritual realm with God speaking and wooing each person. And, and so that, you know, we can't necessarily say where that person is at just based on their religion. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Dan, about, you know, the, yeah, you can be sincerely wrong. And yeah, that's like, it's fine to be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. But I would say being sincere in your pursuit of God is actually more important than having the right information. Hmm. Because even within Christianity, you know, there's people who have lots of right information about Jesus, but that right information doesn't transform them necessarily into more loving people or people who are expressing the truths that we believe. Right. So this is a matter of, you know, yes, the information is important. Correct information about God is important. But when I'm going to um, a Muslim, I'm not assuming that I know God and they don't know God. Um, and so here I am to introduce them to a God they don't know. No, I assume they know God and I know God, I just have some information about God that is important for them to hear, but I'm not introducing them to God. Hmm. And so, you know, this is, and like I said, this is based on experience. I, I, you know, somebody might disagree with me and that's fine, but I would just challenge everyone then enter into relationship with people who are devoted and then see um, if you can still maintain the idea that they are worshiping a false God. Hmm. And so, and, and that's why, like, I hope people will read my book. I don't believe anyone can read my book and walk away thinking Muslims don't know God. I think people will walk away from my book being like, wow, I love these people. Like they're amazing. And, you know, and, and so, and why do I, I, I want to build this connection to build these bridges between Christians and Muslims, because this is 2 billion people that are so close to the truth and who have so much knowledge of God. And, and I, I really believe this is where the greatest harvest of um, people of being saved is going to come from. Mm. And so like, I just, yeah, 
I'll stop there. Uh, there's, uh, there's again a lot, a lot in that to to sort of chat through, and I think you, in my own experience, I do have the privilege of uh, interacting with different faiths on the university campus that I work, and one of those mm. is a very uh, well-read and interesting Muslim who I get to talk to every week, and we have this little um, holy book club we call it, where we share. Uh, topics and and look into what the Quran says about a topic, what, what um, the Hebrew Bible and Madrash look at it because the head chaplain there is a Jew and and then uh, we share from the New Testament as well. We just get to wrestle with these things, and I think I, I do agree. Like he, there is this love for Allah and this sincere seeking, and you can see that in the passion of his responses when he's like, "Oh God, can't can't be like that." He's really wrestling with this idea of uh, who God is and how uh, we perceive him and, and, and Jesus and, and how that relates to their own scriptures. And I, I think that's just a really, for, for me, what I found really interesting in the way that you present this, but also in books like um, Questioning Evangelism by Randy Newman, this idea that we, oftentimes when we talk about evangelism, or at least there's been a trend when talking about evangelism, that we have to go into these conversations with this idea that we know the truth, we know what people need, and we, um, we, we just have to give these answers. We tell them about Jesus. Mm. We have to present God to them, as you, you're saying that we have to introduce people to God. And I just think it it takes this idea of we have all the answers out of our hands. And I don't think anyone engaging in that trend would suggest for one minute that we are the ones that convert people, but the way that they train and interact, it feels like we do have the power to convert people that we have to have the right knowledge. Mm. We have to have the right mm -hmm. say so. And I just really like how it goes. Actually God is revealing himself to people. We get to work with God mm -hmm. and present what we do know through our relationship with Christ and, and mm -hmm. so it becomes, rather than me having to read all the books in the world to try and answer all the questions, I can mm -hmm. just ask questions. I could learn about this person. What do you think about God? Who do you think he is? Okay, so here's, here's Jesus. Here's what I know about Jesus. What do you think about him? How does he relate to God? Who does he say God is? And, and you can have this a lot more equal conversation, which I, I find a lot more refreshing. And then it's under God revealing himself rather than me going... Is a almost, and oftentimes I can have the wrong knowledge. I might have the wrong thing, and I can go, I don't know that. I need to, I need to look into it more. So I just found it very freeing in that kind of idea uh, of presenting the gospel in a way that's relational to them and relational to God. Um, but I do think it makes people uncomfortable because it also means you're removing this idea that we have to know Jesus and who He is to be saved to cross this line. I think that's probably the the wrestling bit that I think some some people have. Dan, you look like you're about to jump in, so go for it. No, I was just going to say. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's it's interesting this year. I guess that I mind getting some clarity on something because it you're yeah. probably not saying this, but this is what it it, it seemed mm -hmm. to me. Okay. It seemed it seemed like what you were saying is that again, I don't think you're saying this. Okay. That that uh, that Christianity that that the Islam is just sort of a a, sub, a subtraction of of um, uh, just it's just a lack of lack of knowledge. Like it's like the gospel is just some additional knowledge that that's that it's just it's just information. Kind of characterizing the gospel is just additional information 
and it and I don't think you're saying that, but that's what it kind of, it, it 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 sounded like to me. Whereas okay. I guess the Christian would be uncomfortable hearing that. In, in, in the yes. sense that like the gospel is everything. Jesus is everything. Like, yes. like it's not just like it's like well, yeah, they might be yeah. searching searching for God, but actually the, the, the gospel, what's integral about the gospel is is Jesus. And, and Muslims don't yes. believe that 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 Jesus was God. Uh, they don't believe uh, that uh, that he even died on the cross. And there, and I think you know, there are obviously things that are just integral to 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 the gospel um and so it, yes. it's sort of uncomfortable saying that well muslims know god but they're missing that it's it, it's not just they're missing information they're missing everything in some in some ways like every, yeah i guess that's why yeah yes i understand that discomfort so let me make it clear that you know jesus is the only savior of the world. He's the only way to be saved. And so when I say they're just lacking information, I don't mean that it's not information they need. Um, but I, what I, what I'm trying to distinguish is the difference between knowing God and having correct information about God and that knowing God it, it, people can know God in other ways. Um, and if they do know God, they are connecting with Jesus on some level. They may not have, you know, realized and accepted the plan of salvation, but that like, that we can still acknowledge that they have, that they they know God and that they relate to him so that God is not waiting until they have the gospel before he starts relating to them. And so if you think about all the people in, you know, the Old Testament, they all knew God and they did not, for the most part, exactly know the plan of salvation. So, I mean, of course, you know, some will say, yeah, Isaiah, he saw the, okay. I'm, you know, of course there were prophetic utterances about the Messiah, but, you know, for the most of the history of humanity, people did not know how God was going to save the world, but they still knew and connected with God. So Abraham knew God and he didn't know everything about God when he started out. And so he got to know God along the way. Moses, the same thing, you know, Moses didn't know everything about God when God appeared to him at the burning bush. He didn't know everything about God. Later on, it said God met with him face to face as, you know, a man meets with his friend. So, and, and you know, it, from the New Testament, you have Cornelius. It says that in the book of Acts that Cornelius was a God-fearing man and that he prayed to God regularly and that he gave to the poor. So Cornelius was relating to God and you know, in relationship with God before he knew the good news of Jesus Christ. So it, you know, what did God do? Because of God, you know, God was relating to him and God sent Peter to tell him the good news. So 
this is how I see our role when it comes to Muslims that, you know, if we consider these are already people who, if they are devoted and sincere in their faith, they are people who are already relating to God. They're people who are already desiring to do God's will. So they are like Cornelius and all they need is someone to come and reveal the plan of salvation to them. And I know that maybe that sounds, you know, very, okay. Yeah, that sounds simple, but I have all these Muslim friends and none of the, I've told them the gospel and none of them are receiving it, you know? So, so I'm not saying there's not barriers to them receiving the good news. There are barriers because there are things in their religion that have specifically hardened them against you know, the most important things about Jesus. Like you said, Jesus didn't die on the cross. You know, um, you know, Jesus, basically, he's, he's not the son of God. Of course, these are barriers. But in my experience, when Muslims read the Bible, they get so affected by the person of Jesus Christ. And he is absolutely compelling to them. And I think the reason that he is so compelling and that the stories are so compelling and they're so drawn to him is because they've already been wooed by him. They've already had, you know, the Holy Spirit has already been working with them and revealing truth to them so that when they see the truths in the Bible, it, it touches them. So... I think, yeah, there's plenty of examples where we can see that. And I think even the way that Paul uh, reacts in Acts 17, that this unknown God, you are God. I think God fearers. I think you you can. So I, I think a big part of this is is recognizing the person that you put in, in front of you. I'm just going to highlight this. Um, I think I think you've answered that question well. So um, I, I believe you've brought some people to our channel. So uh Thank oh, you hi, Daffy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, so th there is that story of God revealing himself through scripture to so many different people. And then the way that Paul interacts, even when um, uh, Philip interacts with the Ethiopian, the people yeah. that are already seeking honestly and God uses his people to mm -hmm. reveal the truth further to them. I guess mm -hmm. where people are wrestling and where I was wrestling as I was reading the book is it, 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 there is a different feel because I think you're not so focused on this line of salvation that we're mm -hmm. so used to. I've got to get someone to this point where they respond. Every conversation that I have in evangelism has to get to, well, how do you respond to Jesus? Yes or no. And so I think even mm -hmm. in my own relationships, I'm a little bit, maybe not as hard, hard pressed to push people to that point. I want to, journey with them as god reveals himself to them and where that line of salvation for me in my life as a, a bloke who grew up in a christian family i don't know where that line was i have some points where i think i, I made commitments recommitted got baptized but it's really fuzzy <laughs> so i think yeah that there are some christians who, there is this line in the sand that's the day i became a christian yeah. i think for a lot of yeah. people but mm -hmm. i think we need to recognize that often salvation isn't as clear cut as many would seem to be. And I, and I think we can find that person who's a God fearer, someone who wants mm -hmm. to know God, 
and we go, hey, well, see, see what you think about Jesus and how he reveals himself to be the God that you are seeking. Um, I find that quite refreshing. But I, I do agree like, with this idea of like, well, this is kind of messy with everything that I've, I've heard about evangelism. Um, before before I go into there's there's a few questions in here for Rebecca in the okay. chat. Do do you have anything else to follow up on your question? Well, no, I was going to say that I you know I, I think most most Christians should be able to accept the fact that there are certain worldviews and certain religions that that that, that set you up better to accept Christ. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably obvious. Uh, it's most obviously the case for Muslims. I think, uh, yeah. you know, because you know, what do we agree on? You know, we, yeah, I, I agree with the church. You know, all truth is God's truth, uh, mm-hmm. and so Muslims have a lot of things right. You know, like you said, there is one God. Um, mm-hmm. That that there is a that, that God is a creator. He's a creator God. Um, that that human beings reflect something of God. Um, you know, so certain attributes we have that reflect god you know mm-hmm. um and so there's there's you know there's lots more things that we agree, we agree on so i think i don't i don't have any discomfort in it except that i think that's that's self-evidently the case that someone who is a muslim is probably much close is, is much closer to god who than someone who is an atheist mm-hmm. you know or yeah. agnostic or or a buddhist that you know a mm-hmm. buddhist that doesn't, that's non-theistic you do get you know in certain countries you get theistic buddhists but um Yes, I mean that's that's just seems self-evidently the case. I think um, you know, a Christian that sort of disagrees with that would have a, a would be hard pressed, I think, to um, to kind of disagree with that contention. But there's there's something about I think when you when you you say it the way you say it, it like it that's kind of negative. I didn't mean it like that. I mean when you when you say it the way you say it, because it's yeah. not that, that legwork, you're like, oh, what is, what is she saying? But actually, what you're saying is actually. Yeah pretty non it's not really controversial in a way right if you, if you think of it like that because mm-hmm. um you know so yeah no it's interesting and i and i think um i think a lot of people have um especially westerners i think we we the way we that we were almost taught to engage with muslims is quite confrontational uh you know and we've had jay smith and, and and others on before and and, and other people that i also you know would like like listening to but um we often treat that as the the only means like you know the one thing i always hear and i'm sure you have as well is that well you know muslims really appreciate you know, on a shame culture they really appreciate sort of people defending their beliefs with rigor and 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 an aggression you know to show that you really mean it but actually mm-hmm. you know that that's not that's not every muslim uh, in mm-hmm. fact it might actually be quite a small percentage you know um you know of, of, of people who are like that others like friendly discussion and mm-hmm. and and cool. and love and friendship and and not confrontation so i think that that's what i like about your approach is it's you know it's like looking at the human body you know um you know the brain and the liver and the body are both important for the for the body's health but mm-hmm. we don't want the liver trying to do the heart's job and the heart trying to do the liver's job they're both mm-hmm. you know they're 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 working together for the good of the body in the way, in the same way that I think your approach works together for the, uh, for the good of the church, you know, as a body. Mm-hmm. Also there are other approaches. So um, I, I, it's, for me, it's definitely not an either or, and I do, I, I, I like, I like listening to it and reading about your, your, your approach. Hi there. This is Phil Dunkoff. Thank you so much for listening to the Critical Witness podcast. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe, share the episode and write a review. It will help others find us. 
And if you really like what you hear and want us to grow, please do consider supporting us through patreon.com forward slash critical witness. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. So there's there's quite. A, I was looking through the, the questions in the chat, and I, th- I feel like you've answered them pretty well. Um, so I, I think, as in, even though we didn't ask them directly, we Dan's follow up question seems to have clarified uh, those aspects. I'll, I'll be interested just just from Dan's comment there about honor shame cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much? And you've you've been living in this culture that has this label honor <laughs> shame. Yeah. How, how much have you interacted with this idea of honor and shame and how much um, do you, have you noticed uh, the differences between American cultures and the culture that you were in? Would you say what you've read of honor shame is an accurate representation of, of the Muslims you engage with? Yes, absolutely. It's huge. It's huge. That's it's um, you, you cannot underestimate the difference in the way that, um, most, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to say most, but I would say in the culture, the, the differences in the way that people think about things and understand things, it is different. Um, so, but I mean, I don't really think about that very much when I'm thinking about evangelism, because for me, it's more just about, um, revealing who God is and his plan of salvation. And I think that, you know, the best way, and this is actually something I didn't write in the book, but it is an unspoken goal of the book. And that is the, the, to me, the best way to help people come to know God is to have a beautiful view of God yourself. Like the more beautiful and wonderful that you see God, the more that you are going to be able to express that to other people. So I think that's actually the number one thing people can do if they want to um, help other people come to know the Lord is get a beautiful view of who the Lord is, seek out who he is and enjoy him. And, and so what I'm hoping that people get from my book when they read it is seeing how beautiful the Lord is, how much the Lord cares about everyone, how deeply he is involved with every life. And so there was just a couple other things I wanted to say, because you guys, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I know I'm kind of like bouncing around, but Phil, you said something about, you know, talking with our Muslim friends and, you know, there's something that I've learned as an evangelist. And this this applies whether you're talking to Muslims or anyone. It 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 doesn't matter who you're talking to. This is an important principle. And, you know, talking about like, okay, is someone going to have that moment of salvation? And I've learned this from failure. Okay. Everything I've learned about evangelism 
I have failed so many times. I've done it wrong so many times. So like I'm speaking as someone who's had lots of failure, but also lots of success. I've seen lots of people come to know the Lord, lots of Muslims come to know the Lord. And so, and, and, and also other people come to know, you know, not just Muslims, but other people come to know the Lord. So, um, the, what I've learned through trial and error is that with your friends, with people, we seem to have had a glitch there. Hopefully that'll settle down in a moment. Uh, we'll get Rebecca on in a moment. Um, while that's happening, we've just got a, um, Sorry about the, the technical issues, uh, which is always going to happen on, online. Uh, thank you for your questions. Those of you that have asked questions, we we'll hope Re Rebecca's internet will settle and she'll be able to continue her thoughts there. Um, lots of interesting things. The programmer, we, we are, yeah, noted your, you've noticed the very different approach Rebecca has. And I think um, 136 Apologetics, hi Craig, nice to see you in the, in the chat, has noted that, yeah, we need these different approaches. Um, so um, I'm just going to hopefully we'll get Rebecca back in the stream in a moment. I've just noticed that she's she's frozen, so hopefully they'll come back in. Um, just going to see if there's any other questions. If you've got any questions for Dan and I while Rebecca's internet's uh, reconnected, uh, Dan, what, what are your your thoughts? Well, no, I kind of gave a, a kind of summary um, mm. last time, so I, I you know I I just think um, you know things I'm. A little bit uncomfortable with but i think you know probably probing a bit more i think probably um would probably probably agree i just wouldn't wouldn't necessarily um phrase it in in the same way uh mm. but, I, but i do agree that i think you know we need multi multiple approaches in terms um you know of how you interact with any group of any group or, or or individual you know we're all we're all different i think it's very easy just to to treat uh, you know, religion as a sort of monoculture when actually, you know, not all Muslims are Arabs, you know, Arab culturally, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. there's, there's, there's millions of millions in, of, uh, you know, Muslims in China, in Europe, in Africa, uh, in North America. So, um, you know, so it's important not to have this, uh, you know, just one, one, one approach. Um, so just notice he's joining. We've got a couple of things. Program. We're just going to note this. And um, hi, hi, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us back. Sorry about the, the internet must have dropped out there. Um, oh, I, I, okay, good. <laughs> right. Well, um, the, the program is just written as uh, yeah, only the Holy Spirit can but missionaries just to pass the gospel. And I, I think that's kind of where I think we're all in agreement on that. Um, that we get to just be a part of the process and, and sort of journey with people. Um, so we, we just mentioned that I, I think in in terms of um, you you're mid flow. I don't know if you're you're able to. Be... Yes. Well, I was just saying. You know, I've seen lots of people come to know the Lord, and I've also had lots of failures. And something that I think is an important principle is that if you have a friend, someone that you're going to see more than once, then um, it is probably not the best thing to think that they're just going to suddenly cross that line in front of you, that they're going to suddenly say, okay, now I'm a Christian. That is a very difficult for people to do. Um, you can, 
I've seen lots of strangers do that. Like strangers that I meet somewhere and I share the gospel with them. And then I say, would you like to put your trust in Jesus right now? I've had lots of people say, yes, I want to do that. Yes. And, but that is, that doesn't happen very often for me with friends that I see all the time because there's an issue of pride. Okay. It's very hard once you've said, I'm a Christian, you're not a Christian, and you need to become what I am. Once you establish that, it is incredibly hard. That is a barrier between you and, and they have pride. So it's very hard for them to say, okay, even if they realize that you're right, even if they, you know, it's very difficult for them to then say, you're right, I need to become a Christian. I'm ready to become a Christian, right? So like, it is best if in relationships, you can avoid setting up that wall. And so sometimes it's unavoidable because sometimes, you know, you end up in a conversation that you didn't want to be confrontational, but the wall went up. And, and but in general, if I have a friend, then I don't tell that person, you know, you need to trust in Jesus for salvation, at least not, you know, like I don't make that. I, so I have exceptions to that, but I mean, there, so I don't want to say I never do that. There's friends that, you know, I have, you know, some atheist friends that I constantly tell them, "Mm -mm -mm," you know, and, 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 but they, we have enough of a relationship we have enough of a love between us that they know I'm still going to care for them, even if they don't, you know, change their view. But in general, it's better if you don't put up that barrier. And if you just treat them like you would your Christian friends, you know, when God does something in your life, you say, God did this for me. Um, you know, when you're out and, you know, someone needs healing, you know, you can invite that friend to pray. And I know that sounds crazy, especially where you guys come from, because, you know, (laughs) 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 so, but basically it's like for your friends, you try as much as possible to think and speak as if they're already in the club Mm -hmm. and for strangers, you know, they're, they don't have, they don't care about you. They don't care. Um, I've had much more, I mean, you know, with friends, it can take years for them to actually come to know the Lord because sometimes you're a barrier for them, but with strangers, it's very easy because they don't know you. They don't care what you think. You know, they can, they're free to remake themselves in front of you in that moment because they know they're not going to see you later, you know? So the accountability is lower. I think there's a lot in that. I think just, just sort of uh, to keep sort of probably from that, I think there's a a little bit here in the, in the question. So we've got, that relationship building we've got uh journeying with people but oftentimes oh, we, we do have tough topics come up and, and those questions are raised and those difference become differences become pronounced 
and especially with uh, we had a, a, a conversation basically as soon as you get to jesus with a muslim and you start really digging in into the claims he makes especially the gospel of john and uh, even the first chapter of john is a, is a big claim in that so yeah. as soon as you hit that kind of discussion there's, there's a question here from uh, elizabeth thanks for for putting this in here how do you start to respond to these difficulties i mean I have had that uh, uh, sort of, it's, it is quite a clash because Muslims are very passionate about God. It, it's very much a no, <laughs> like God can't be like that. And and that can be quite a, a little bit of a shock. Like, whoa, I wasn't quite expecting that yeah. passion. How do you get interact with these difficult topics when they start coming up and start actually going like, no, that's not possible. God cannot be in a man. God can't limit himself. And it's yeah. interesting how many things God can't do and all that. But uh, that, that's the question. How do you interact with those difficult questions? Yeah. So if that happened to me, then I would I would be like, oh, why do you think God couldn't do that? And then I would listen to their response. And then I would just say, hmm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not important because in most people when, you know, they're going to remember what they said, not what you said, yeah. you know, in a conversation like this, they're going to walk away. If, 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 if you take that opportunity to say, actually, but the Bible says this and Jesus is, and you try to explain the Trinity and you try to explain, you know, why Jesus is like this. Well, then what you're going to be doing is actually they're going to, then they're going to respond with their argument. And then when the conversation is over, they're going to walk away thinking, I should have said this. I should have said this. They're going to think about what they said. They're going to con be confirmed in what they said, not in, not in what they're not going to consider what you said. Hmm. So I would just say, forget about defending God. Like don't defend, don't just let people say what they think. And then, you know, if they ask you what you think, you know, like if they say to you, well, it's strange that you believe this. So why do you believe Jesus is God? Why do you believe that's possible? Then feel free to share your opinion. But if, if, if they didn't ask you, then just have no, you know, you don't need to say it. You don't need to defend God. God will show them. So if they say, no, it can't be like this, then you say, why can't it be? And then let them answer and then let it just let it sit. Let, you know. It's, the, uh, it's, it's really, I mean, that, that just kind of, uh, I, I actually quite love uh, that because it's so used to like, no, I've got to defend. I've got to defend. That's what apologetics is. I've got to defend and I've got to be on the forefront of, of that. And I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot I agree with in, in that. Uh, and just in a sort of sense of humility of, of waiting to be asked. How, and, and that's kind of what what Peter says in 2, was it 2 Peter 3, the, the most common apologetics verse of uh, have a reason but doesn't necessarily give your reasons before you ask. Dan, what do you think? What, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? You're muted, by the way. The, stand, the, the, the phrase of 2021. There you go. Sorry. I, was, um, <laughs> I get worried that one of the kids is going to cry randomly, so I keep myself on, on mute. Um, 
yeah no it's good i mean it's it's interesting because there's um uh, there's a real difference sometimes between um sort of evangelism and apologetics so i think that the, the, the relationship um is not one that's um absolutely sort of integral like i think you you, you can you can be a good evangelist without being an apologist in a way um mm -hmm. and, and what, what's often lacking is apolo apologetics people who are you know, apologists are not often very good evangelists um mm -hmm. and, and and i think it, it's quite, quite interesting sort of how how people might interpret what you said but i think what you i i, I agree with you i think often it's so much more important to um to listen and and i think people often even from my own experience if i if i ask someone a question I'm, i i remember their answer much better than if they were just telling me something i didn't actually ask because i mm -hmm. think we often think that other people you know when i've had conversations with muslims you know and they, they've been i've been saying my bit they've been saying their bit i often don't go away uh thinking about what they said i do exactly what you said I think about oh I wish I'd said that. And mm -hmm. so the whole the whole the whole the whole dialogue was predicated on both of us wanting to win not in the mm -hmm. pursuit of truth. And um and 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 I and I think sometimes you, you yeah you you're right it's just just let God work and not and I think you know one of the issues sometimes with evangelism we think that we um that, that we can win people over by our, by the strength of our arguments um mm -hmm. and, and and often love and and friendship and politeness you know get get lost along the way uh but i'm not again i'm not negating the the, the importance of apologetics you know when people mm -hmm. ask when people ask difficult questions we should you know try our best to to give um you know biblically based uh persuasive answers to their questions um but yeah no we could definitely i i take that advice or listen listen more and just rely more on god rather than um you know reason yeah you know and actually and and so like what you're saying is there there's this different role and so when we're talking about like you know how jay smith and um bethy do their their role is different than just evangelism they are you know they are reaching out in a different way and so, but I think what Jay was trying to express to you guys at the end, and I loved how he said this, he said at the end, he said, well, don't use, but don't use any of this stuff like with your Muslim friends. And I don't think it was just about because you don't have all the information. I think it's also because he recognizes that this isn't the best way to, um, you know, reach out to people around you he he he's re he is reaching muslims but he's doing it because they're searching out and finding information through him so they're doing something really important um but like when you're talking about a relationship with a person you know the reason i would never you know well i'm not gonna say i have done this so i don't want to say i would never but i would try never now to take something that is sacred to one of my Muslim friends and call it false. Um, 
because, and, and like I said, I have made mistakes in the past and I have done this. And so, but like, you know how Jesus said, don't give to dogs what is sacred because first they're gonna, you know, trample what's sacred under their feet and then they're gonna turn and tear you to pieces. And so I don't want to be um, one of those dogs, right? And so if I have Muslim friends who they're devoted to God and they're devoted to the idea of Muhammad and the Quran, I don't want to trample. I don't want to take what is sacred to them and trample on it. And I don't need to do that in order for them to see Jesus Christ and to be saved. So, you know, I want to treat what is sacred to them, you know, as something sacred. I don't want to harm them by uh, making, you know, taking something that's special to them and important to them and then trashing it. What I want to do is, you know, just reveal to them who Jesus is without, you know, and it, they will eventually, if they have come to trust in Jesus, they will eventually get the whole picture. But, and I think that's really what Jay's heart was at the end when he was telling you guys, but don't use this. It's not just because you don't have all the information that he has, but it's because it's not effective when you're, ha when you have a friendship with someone. I think that's really, really helpful. And again, a, a recognition of the sort of differences in the way that evangelism works um, and different roles. I think on that, there's a kind of a question here from 136 Apologetics. Um, your approach is obviously not as polemical. It's quite different. Does she find, do you find you get a much better response from sort of moderate cultural Muslims rather than devout ones? I'd say from your book that it's a little bit of a mix because you point out to devout Muslims that they are clearly seeking God and you have that interaction. But I'll be interested. Do, do you find, what, what kind of differences do you note between sort of the cultural Muslims and the, the, the very devout ones? Well, I would say both just cultural Muslims and devout Muslims have a high potential for coming to Jesus. In my experience, the biggest factor is their nationality. And I know that sounds might sound strange, but I would say like in the places I've been, there are certain nationalities that are much more ripe and receptive to the gospel. Um, you know, Iranians are very receptive to the gospel. And so I, you know, because they're a very spiritual people and I think they're at a point in their history where they have tired out of some of the things that Islam is doing in their country. And so like, it's very easy to have, to help and see a Iranian person come to know Jesus. Um, and I would say the same is pretty true of Afghans that I've met. Um, and I would say I, for me, the hardest culture, the hardest nationality is Turkish people. And that is because I think it's because they're, they're um, being a Muslim is like, 
there's kind of this idea of if you're a Turk, you're a Muslim, like Turkish people are Muslim, period. And so there's this very deep rooted, like national pride that is connected to the religion. And so, you know, that that is a, a huge barrier. Um, so and then, of course, in um, some some other countries that I've, you know, spent talking with people, it would be very difficult for them to depart from their faith, uh, from the faith of their culture. There would be, I mean, because they can face death. They, they, so it's something that's hard to even consider because, you know, the, the penalty is so great and the shame, you know, uh, and the dishonor brought to your family that is that that's huge. So nationality is kind of the biggest factor because I've seen, um, you know, people who are non not really religious Muslims come to Jesus. And then I've seen devout Muslims come to Jesus. But, um, you know, and, and and I've seen people who have a dangerous situation come to Jesus. You know, I one Muslim lady was telling me, you know, I if I put my faith in Jesus, her husband already beat her. So she was like, I don't know what he will do if I put my faith in Jesus. And she, but I was like, I, I, you know, I just talked to her. I talked her through it and she was like, yes, I want to do it. I, I, you know, and we prayed for her to receive Jesus and then her husband came home like while I was there and, um, you know, he he started talking to me about religion and, you know, I had a conversation with him and he pulled out some book, you know, about like, I, I don't know, some like why I'm not a Christian or something. It's a, some book about, you know, um, like kind of Islam apologetics type thing. But I was very impressed by that lady and some of the other very brave Muslims that have put their faith in Jesus despite the persecution that they will face. Um, but it is hard, especially if you're in a culture where you face total rejection. That, I think that, that's something that we in the, the West definitely don't quite get <laughs> right I, maybe that's something that will change over time but i think we're a long way from really understanding the that kind of cost uh to mm -hmm. following christ and i think that's really interesting so i'm just just on that just to push a little bit further it kind of comes alongside this this question here from the programmer and uh the pro programmer is about to lose his wrench if he keeps uh his comments up with uh pretending to be <laughs> um so uh how would you break the, the conversation? How, how do you introduce Jesus into a conversation like that? You know that there's potentially some danger. Um, and uh, that, that, that kind of level of, of threat in, in the conversation, I guess. Um, how, how do you go about doing that? Um, I'd be interested in the sort of example with, with even that, that woman, just, just to do, dig into that conversation a little bit more. Um, yeah. What, what kind okay. Of conversations happen there. 
Well, to the programmer, I will send you a copy of my book and you'll see lots of examples of how to do it. Hmm. But um, really what in when I when I'm in listening evangelism mode and I'm I'm listening to people and I'm asking them questions about God, you know, I will I'll start with, you know, do you love God? What do you love about God? And then, you know, I'll ask them things like, why is the world such a bad place? You know, why are, why are so many things, bad things happening if God loves us? And then, you know, eventually we almost always get to the point where we talk about judgment day. And then, you know, I ask them, you know, and usually they'll say, well, on judgment day, God is going to judge us on what we've done, good or bad. And then I say, okay, well, how are you doing like on that? You know, because there's often the idea of like life is an exam. And so, you know, I'll be like, how are you doing on the exam? And, you know, most people, well, some people will be like, ah, I think I'm doing pretty good, but with God's help, with God's help. Um, and then other people are like, I don't know, I don't know, you know, judgment day is kind of scary. And so that's usually the point where, you know, when, when we get to the point where there's um, a realization of sin and realization of the problem of sin and realization of judgment, then that is where I usually, you know, I will say, well, I'm a Christian. Do you know what Christians believe about Judgment Day? Do you know what Christians, you know, believe about sin? And so that is how I usually do it. So when when we get to the point where I feel like the gospel is appropriate, and especially with Muslims, it's very easy to get there because they believe in so much. In fact, they will even tell you that Jesus is coming back to judge the world. So, you know, you can even get to that point and then you can ask, why does he get to be the judge? You know, why do you think Jesus gets to be the judge? And so like you can just kind of keep going with questions until you get to the point where it's a good opportunity to share about Jesus. And then you ask their permission before you share. And so I think that is really key because you have, you really need to get buy-in from them before you launch into sharing your ideas. They might not care to hear your ideas, but most of the time, if you've already been listening to them, if you've already, you know, heard their ideas and, you know, just continue to ask and care about their perspective and not argued with them, then, you know, by that point in the conversation, you know, if you ask their permission, can I share with you what Christians believe, they will be happy to hear what you have to say. And, you know, there's just so many times when in that moment, when you start sharing and you can share about Jesus in one sentence, you know, Christians believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that anyone who believes in him will have eternal life, will not be judged. And so, you know, you can bring it to, you know, Jesus saves us from judgment. Jesus saves us from sin. Jesus saved us from death. And so, However, you can, you know, 
and so it could be the conversation about judgment or it could be the conversation about why is the world so corrupt and then talk about sin and the resolution of sin. Um, or it could be, you know, a, a conversation about death and then how Jesus saves us from death. So there's lots of different ways that the conversation could go that would come to a point where you'd have the opportunity to share about Jesus. But definitely I would, you know, say, make sure you get permission from them before you launch in and share your ideas. That's really good. Um, Dan, I'm aware of, of time. Um, uh, Rebecca, I didn't even ask, how are you doing for time? <laughs> You know what? You're on my favorite subject right now, so <laughs> I'm, I'll talk about this forever. But yeah, we, whenever you guys want to stop, yeah. How, how does the the Bible sort of function in your discussions? Do you um, obviously, if you are in the middle, you know, in the Middle East, um, how how does it how does that function? Do you encourage people to read the Bible, the New Testament? Yes, definitely. And that is one of the best ways to, it, with your Muslim friends. Now, with, with an encounter that I'm having with a stranger, um, I may just share the gospel with them. And, you know, I might encourage them to read the Bible. And that is something I do, you know, a good percentage of the time. But with Muslim friends, with people that I'm going to see more than once, I will, you know, for however many years, we've always had some kind of group at our house, you know, something that I can invite them to, to read the Bible. And to me, that is the best way to reach out to your Muslim friends, rather than having some conversation where you argue about stuff, just invite them to read the Bible. And, you know, if they, so if you, you know, have this opportunity for them to read the Bible, God, God is going to touch them. And so I highly recommend using the Bible, um, for, you know, sharing with your Muslim friends, but not so arguing about the Bible. Don't yeah. try to defend the Bible. Like, you know, if they say the Bible is, you know, changed, it's corrupted. Oh, really? You know, you, you, you don't have to defend the Bible, you know, just don't take up the argument because they've already decided that in their mind. They've already been taught that from an early age. You're not going to change their mind by arguing with them about the validity of the Bible. But when they read the Bible, they themselves will be touched and it will be the power of the story and the power of Jesus Christ and the beauty of Jesus Christ that convinces them that the Bible is the real revelation of God. Do you, do you think that changes? So if, if um, you know, if being in England or say the US and a Muslim asked the same thing, they said, oh, the Bible's just, um, it's been, it's been changed. It's not trustworthy. I'm not, you know, you know, not uh, unlike the Quran, uh, would you in it would, would would you respond differently then, or would it only be uh, amongst sort of Middle Eastern Muslims that you would just sort of ignore that? Oh. Oh, 
looks like it's dropped out a little bit again. Um, She's trying. trying to answer. <laughs> trying to answer. We'll give it, give it a minute as uh, as it's coming through. Dan, what what we're waiting? How much time you got? Um, probably till half past or something. All right. So so we've got set what seven minutes. Cool. Yeah, do ten minutes. <laughs> we'll uh, let let her internet settle, settle down again. Um, while we're um, waiting for Rebecca's internet, let's uh, just talk a little bit uh, about about the channel. Um, oh, she might actually be back on another device. Hey, there we go. We've got we've got two Rebecca's in the stream. We'll uh, we'll talk about the channel a bit at the end and uh, see where we're headed. Maybe we have to do another stream. Hi. Okay, you, there you we there? go. All good. All good. Um, come on, where we were. What were we saying? Okay. You're about you were, to answer a question. Differences yeah, between I'm states. Echoing. And... Am I too? Am I still two people on here? There we go. No, you're all good. Yeah. Okay. So I think you were asking, would my approach be the same? And I am not in that situation. So I very often of you know talking to Muslims that are living in a Western country. But I think my approach would be the same just because in general, not just with Muslims, but with everyone, I've never found it helpful to confront, um, to, to like take up a position or an argument uh, it just, it, it's not really effective. If someone is presenting a position, um, you have that whole element of them wanting to win the argument. And that is a huge barrier uh, to people actually being touched by God. Like we have to think about what, what is our ultimate goal? We want them to be touched by God and uh, it, it's much easier for people to encounter God through you if they haven't had any negative feelings um, in their interactions with you. So if you are if you're talking to them and you have an answer to their position or their argument, well, they're gonna feel somewhat negative about that, right? Like even if they know you're right, it's going to be hard for them to accept. But even if they do accept it, there might be a little bit of a negative feeling remaining. And so it's just going to be a little bit harder for them to encounter God through you. So I just, you know, I, I fail at this often, but but my goal is that I don't um, put these barriers that give people negative feelings because I want to be the person that is communicating the love and grace of God to that person. And I can do that better if I'm not fighting with them on any level. Oh, uh, oh Dan's got internet oh, trouble going on there. Um, so we've had a few glitches this evening, which is all good. Uh, part of being online and, and all of that. So um, just... Just kind of talking about Jesus, there's, there's two questions I think that are quite um, interesting. So we've we've talked about and heard about with with Jay the differences between uh, what was mainly talking about Muhammad and, and the Quran in the last show. But it'd be interesting about um, what, what do you think of the description of Jesus in Islam? Is there anything 
about Jesus in the Quran and in the teachings of Islam that you particularly point out to? Uh, any differences that you would highlight to someone as you're discussing? Uh, what are your, your thoughts on that? Well, I don't do that, but I know people who do that. And I know people who have come to faith or maybe I don't know them personally, but I mean, I've seen testimonies of Muslims who came to faith in Jesus because of what is written in the Quran about Jesus. The Quran actually says that Jesus is the word of God. And so, you know, I just recently saw a testimony of, you know, a, a, a guy who was just asking and questioning, why does this say that Jesus is the word of God? What does that mean? And so there's lots in the Quran that is true and good about Jesus. But I usually don't go into that because um, why don't I go into that? I guess it's been a while since I've read the Quran and I, I just don't find it necessary to go there. But I would be, if somebody is, you know, really well-versed in the Quran and, and somebody's gone through and really picked out the good things about Jesus that are in the Quran, I think you can, you know, use that as a way, a great way to help people see the truth about Jesus. But of course, um, the Quran is, it is very, very centered on Jesus not being the son of God, God not having a partner. There's so much against that. There's so much teaching in the Quran that is totally contrary to the gospel. So I probably wouldn't go there because I don't really want to be encouraging people to know their Quran better. You know, if I if I'm starting to bring out these things about Jesus in the Quran, well, that might encourage them to go and, you know, they might read and get more affirmed that Jesus is not the son of God. Actually, it's quite interesting how focused on Jesus not being the son of God the Quran really is. It, there's so much in there about Jesus and really kind of teaching directly against uh, Christianity and Christianity's view of God. I've always found that really fascinating about Islam. Uh, just e even in their prayers, that God cannot be three. I think is, is one of their de mm -hmm. um, daily prayers. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, re really interesting in, in that. And I, I think just as a just on the sort of time front, just to kind of if, if there's any questions that. Um, People want to share then uh, please do put them in the chat um, before we ask you that last question that we ask all of our guests about resources and people we should be listening to unless Dan has anything else to to add after this question which I'm sure he, he can there's a question earlier on when you're talking about other faiths and how there's truth within um, other religions and some religions may be uh, closer to the truth of God than others and how you engage with that one question popped up straight away, which I'm sure you get quite a lot when you when you talk about religions in that way, where you're less inclined to push people to a line, less inclined to mm -hmm. uh, debate so uh, forthrightly. Are you a universalist then? Are you uh, no. do do you hold to that view? What what would you how would you uh, respond to that? I'm not a universalist. Um, because I think the Bible has so much teaching about the righteous and the wicked 
and the fate of the wicked um, being judged and destroyed by God. So it seems clear to me, I would, I would probably have to ignore half of the Bible to be a universalist. Now, I have heard, you know, that, hey, there's some good and persuasive books about universalism. I'm, I've, you know, read at least one of them, but I, I wasn't persuaded by it. Um, but what I am is an inclusivist, meaning I, I don't believe that all will be saved. But I do believe that it is possible to be saved without having the the information about salvation. So, um, and the reason I take that position is because I believe that um, Jesus's righteous act on the cross was more powerful than Adam's sin. Right? It says. Through one man, sin and death entered the world, right? One act of disobedience brought sin and death to the world and death spread to all people. Now, that's pretty powerful, right? That's incredibly powerful. And it says that Jesus's righteous act, one righteous act, was more powerful, more you know, effective than that one man's sin. So if I think about, you know, people who have lived and died because of Adam and Eve's sin, you know, they don't even have to know that Adam and Eve existed and they can still be affected by their sin. Like by the, they're still affected by Adam and Eve's sin. So even if they never heard of Adam and Eve, they're still affected by it. That's how powerful Adam and Eve's sin was. It was incredibly powerful. Well, how much more powerful is the righteous act of Jesus Christ to bring life and to restore humanity? And I think it was at least more powerful than Adam's sin, which has the power to affect us all. So even if we don't know about it, so I believe Jesus's salvation has the power to affect people, even if they don't know about it. So, um, and I know that idea scares some people too, because then they think, but then why evangelize? Why go out and try to share the gospel? Well, perfect. Ask yourself that. Why am I sharing the gospel? Am I uh, sharing the gospel because I'm afraid? Am I afraid that Jesus isn't powerful enough? Or am I sharing the gospel because the gospel is the best news in the world? And it's something that will transform someone's life. And so I, I've been believing this it, you know, it, inclusivism for years, I believe that Jesus's salvation is powerful enough to save people even without their knowledge. And it has not made me less of an evangelist. I'm in fact, I think it's improved me as an evangelist because I used to be so full of fear about people not coming to know the Lord. I mean, it would actually cause me pain in my heart when I thought about people not knowing the Lord. I, I would just, you know, just be, I, I was just so just tense about that 
idea. But now I am filled with the love and the knowledge of how good this news is, right? That it is good news for the world. And that, and so I've become a better evangelist by ditching that fear that somehow people won't hear the good news or that somehow the good news, um, you know, wasn't effective for people who lived, you know, throughout history and didn't hear the gospel or, you know, the person who dies today in some, you know, remote place and didn't hear the gospel. I'm not worried about that person um, because I believe in the power of Jesus's salvation and its effectiveness. But I still want to tell that person about how Jesus, I want them to know the plan of salvation. And I still believe it's important that people make the decision when they hear the good news and when they've had Jesus revealed to them that they say yes to Jesus. And I think that is a matter of the Holy Spirit. You know, like, are they saying yes to the Holy Spirit? Are they saying no? Are they, you know, working with what has been revealed to them? And so I know that is a scary idea that the idea, you know, like I said, of, of inclusive salvation. And that's why I did not include that in my book. I did not touch it because I know that is just too, that's too controversial. And my book was already controversial because I'm saying Muslims don't worship a false God. And that's, you know, that's highly controversial already. So I didn't even go into inclusivism, but um, yeah. That is what I believe, but not universalism. I think that's really helpful to make that distinction. And I, I really appreciate your honesty in that and uh, a, a lot to take away, I think. And just sort of finding those commonalities of, of belief and, and even with these things that we wrestle with, I, I think that's quite an interesting uh, view. I, I, haven't, I, I haven't really gone to that point of am I inclusive or exclusive? I haven't really wrestled with that idea so much, but I think the way that you've, you've put it, uh, the power of Christ's uh, resurrection is, is more powerful than sin and has defeated death and has given people life. And And I also totally agree that salvation is far more than knowledge. Um, and, and even when you look at the judgment passages of, of Revelation, and um, it does seem to be about what we do <laughs> with our life on this. There seems to be a book of life about what um, you said. And that is a very... And even that, people kind of, what? You, you mean it's not salvation by grace? Well, yes, it is. But there, there is something about what we do in those passages. And to, to ignore that ends up, um, yeah, wrestling stuff from Scripture when, when it's actually quite clearly in there. So, um, Dan, do you have anything more to add to that? What's the, to the inclusivism? Or? Or, or anything. Do you have another question? Or, or, um What's no, next? no, no, my question. No, I was just, no, I was just saying. I, I, I sort of, again, wouldn't have framed that way, but I, I kind of agree with you in the sense. I think that that ultimately, no one is saved apart from Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, but there, are, you know, it is possible that some people who do not consciously know Christ are saved by Him. Um, you know, and I think we could, we can look through, um, you know, certain arguments we made from the Old Testament, and um, you know, and appealing to. Um, you know the just the justice of uh, nature of God. You know we're not like Abraham. You know um, you know we're not the, the God of all the earth do right. Um, um, 
Yeah, so so it's um yeah no it's, it's it's an interesting way to frame it. I really liked what you said about I hadn't thought of it like that when you talked about how we're we're all 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 of humanity is deeply affected by sin, even though we don't have any knowledge of it. You know, so there will be people who've never heard of sin. You know, uh, or of 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 how how the Bible describes um, that, and yet we're all affected by it. Um, so yeah, it's an in, it's an interesting way to to frame it. So uh, just just want to highlight, um, you've got some people in the chat here, Rebecca. I think you can see it uh, on the studio. Can you see the chat coming through? No, I don't see it. No, oh, you don't. I thought you did. Oh wait, now before? okay. I just had to click. I had to click on it, so I haven't right. been seeing it. But there you go. yeah, you've got, um, cool. for those, those of you who are on uh, Facebook and Twitter, you probably aren't seeing this comment. But just uh, a really nice comment for you, Rebecca from JJ Teaches English, uh, talking about how you've impacted uh, their life and um, they've been converted and you've you've been a part of their life. So uh, very cool testimony and. Uh, yeah, great to, to have you on. Also, uh, the programmer was very much uh, complimentary as well. I'm not sure. Are you aware of Dr. David Wood on, on YouTube and Act 17 Apologetics? I think it uh, no. can be quite no, polemical. Mm-hmm. Very, very, uh, very polemical YouTuber <laughs> when it comes to his arms. So I think uh, a little bit of a, a compliment and a, maybe a Thank slight you. thing at Dr. David Wood. I don't know. But uh, what Thank we can do is that. But um, it's been so good to chat to you, and I'm sure we'll have you on again as well. I think there's quite a lot, actually, knowing your channel, Bread of Life. Those of you who are watching, please do go and subscribe and share. There's a lot of good stuff. And if you speak Persian, find our Persian channel as well, and uh, lots to to learn from. And um, we also share a lot in, in terms of how we look at the final judgment as well, which I think is kind of how we connected in this a little bit uh, as well from from my yeah. other channel but um mm-hmm. sort of as a, a final question we've obviously got your book which I'll, I'll wave around in the camera again please do uh get this book uh, there is a link in the description as to where you can find it um there's a lot in there to to learn from and lots of good stories lots of great questions that was the other part i really enjoyed i kind of went away from it going okay i I can ask a lot more questions and there's lots of practical advice in there so highly recommend it rebecca what what other resources have helped you uh people we should hear from or look into um bible teachers whatever um top top three or five however long (laughs) how many you want to share on the topic of Muslims, I would say this in the land of the blue burqas, this lady is, she spent some time in Afghanistan. She has a different approach than mine because she much more draws a hard line of, I'm a follower of Jesus, you're a follower of Muhammad. And so she kind of draws a hard line, but I, I really like um, what she says and she st- shares great stories. It is similar in the story sharing to my book where, you know, you you really get the heart and understand the devotion of Muslims as you read it. And also the difficult situation that Afghan women are in in that country. Um, And then I thought about this a lot because I knew you guys were going to ask this. As I was saying, I think one of the best things that we can do is become better, um, you know, just 
knowers of God. And so I want to actually recommend a movie that I think depicts God better than any movie or any piece of art. Actually, it is um, The Tree of Life. It was came out in 2011. It's by Terrence Malick. And for people who really wrestle with like the problem of evil, it really wrestle, it, it goes through the problem of it. The whole movie kind of works through the problem of evil. And I just think it is the most beautiful, um, gives us the most beautiful view of God. And so I highly recommend watching The Tree of Life. It is, I, I cry. I mean, I just started watching it again the other day. And the, I, in two minutes, I'm just in tears and falling apart. So it's a, it, you know, really spiritual experience. It's a very deep movie. So, you know, you can watch it many times and get more things out of it as you do. Have you guys seen that? I haven't. No, I'm going to have to uh, add it. It's, it's on my bedside table. A, a good friend of mine actually lent it to me about 18 months ago, and I haven't got right to watching it. <laughs> 18 months. Brilliant. But now, you, now you've reminded me. I will um, I'll make it this week's, uh, yeah, the weekend. Yeah, I, I, will, I will watch it. Yeah. yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to find it. I've, I've not come across it. Um, I've, I'll come across it, but not enough to, like, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. Um, yeah. That's great. A final recommendation I will give is – a musician that I love his music and I believe people will draw close to God as they listen to it. He's not well known at all. Um, his name is John Mark Pantana. And, you know, you can find his music on all the normal, you know, Spotify, iTunes, all that. But I, I just, his music is beautiful and it is really just brings out a beautiful depiction of who God is and his love for us. And so I just recommend to people to listen to that. So I know those are kind of strange recommendations, but I figure if I like show a bunch of books, probably no one is going to read them anyway. So I just wanted to give some different ideas of just to to help people experience God. Mm. Uh, That's really helpful. And yeah. We're quite happy. I like, I like that. I, I'm going to. Ch- we have to change the, that last question, to change the question because of, because of you. Because I, think that's, <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Because the thing, the thing about books is they only appeal to the bookish people, you know. And, yeah. and and actually, we're all most people don't just like reading books. They like listening to music and the you know and the arts and, and movies and things like that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to some um, some John Mark Pantana and uh, and watching The Tree of Life. There you go. I'll, I'll you up for that as well. So yeah, thank you. You've got, you've got agreement in the, in the chat there. Um, so we don't usually do this. Usually that is the last question. But I think this is a great question from from the program. He he, he loves bombarding these uh, chats because he enjoys the longer the chat, the better for the program. I think. Um, okay. But this is a great question. I think it just plays into. You're obviously very passionate about sharing your faith and about Jesus. But I think this is a really interesting one that I'd love to hear you answer. How do you stay calm and not feel to be correct, uh, to correct different views? I mean, I, I struggle with this on, on the, uh, <laughs> the internet. <laughs> Someone's wrong on the internet. I have to, I have to correct them. I'm, I'm sure we've, many of us have felt that way. How, how do you manage that? How do you stay calm and um, not dive in? Um, I think it's because the truth has nothing to fear. So like, I, I believe that the truth will come out. And so, um, you know, I just, 
I'm if I I I have changed my mindset of needing to be the one that puts all the proper information out there. And what I'm trying to do is help people discover the truth by themselves. You know, I'm trying to lead, like just help them because actually this is a principle in life coaching where, you know, and, and like taking a life coaching class might help with this because you learn that you have to take your hands off. Don't be controlling. Um, so I guess it's just a different mindset to try. I'm trying to give you a practical way to do this, um, programmer. Um, but I would just say, change your mindset. Um, let go of control. Let go of controlling the truth and just allow the truth to be revealed and trust the person trust the person to um, find the truth. And so if you trust the person, then you don't have to be um, concerned about the truth, if that makes sense. Does that oh, make pretty, sense? Yeah, 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 that makes sense. That's really good. And I, and I think that's definitely something that every Christian must walk that road to, to work out that, that they're not in charge of people's salvation. And thank the Lord for that. Um, so I, I think what a, a great way to to end the conversation. Um, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been so good to to chat to you and for for yeah, ch the changing it up with those resources. That's uh, that's that's been great. And um, thank you everyone for all those comments. And um, yeah, good answer. There you go, Elizabeth's um, enjoyed that one. So. We're very glad to have you and uh, thank you for your support of this channel and uh, I'm sure we'll have you back again uh, in the not too thank distant future. Um, coming up on the channel for, for everyone watching, just as we, we close, we have got a chat next week uh, that's planned with Jana, Jana, Dan, you, you know the name, can you? We'll work out how to pronounce her name. Uh, she's got a great, great podcast on uh, interviewing um, ex-atheists who have now become Christians, um, which, again, the name of that podcast is... It's, it's plan, plan B, I think. Plan B podcast, yeah. 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 Or B-side, is it? B-side, yeah. B-side podcast. We'll get that link in there. So check the channel. Oh. We've also got planned a follow-up conversation with Claire Williams on the 4th of February. We're going to be talking about Christian nationalism and critical race theory and how the church responds to that. Those are the main ones that we've lined up. We're also hoping to have uh, someone talking about sexuality and Christianity in the near future. And also we've got one that we had to cancel from 2020 about the Trinity with someone who's done it for, uh, studied it for his PhD. So we've got these lined up. Do subscribe, share the channel tweet about it, Facebook it, um, and especially share this one and Rebecca's book because there's so much practical wisdom in this. It's been uh, a privilege to, to chat this through. So thanks again, Rebecca. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And I love your channel and I'm just, I'm so happy with what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and thanks for everybody who joined and made comments. Appreciate you guys. Cool. Our pleasure. Thank you, Rebecca. God bless you all. Take care.
you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you hear, please do give us a subscribe on YouTube or follow us on any of the social media out there and give us feedback. Get in touch, let us know what you think. If you really enjoyed the content and want to support it, find us on patreon.com. 